Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. And we're live. (laughs) I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. Uh, And I am uh, Nathan Barry. I am kidding. I am not Barrett Brooks. <laughs> I'm Alexis Teichmiller, and I uh, I run the affiliate program here at ConvertKit. And this is my co-host for the day. Not Nathan Barry. I am uh, <laughs> Haley Janicek, and I am on the biz dev team. We got to chat a couple weeks ago when uh, I got to hang out with Barrett for a little bit. So this is this is round two. Yeah, round two for me too. I was on the podcast about a month ago now with Nathan talking about vulnerability. And uh, this week is actually ConvertKit's board meeting. They usually meet in person, uh, but it's gonna be all virtual this week. And so we're stepping in for Nathan and Barrett. And I'm really excited about today's topic, Haley. For you guys to have some context, Haley is basically my work wife. Uh, We work a lot together. We've traveled a lot together on behalf of ConvertKit. We've hosted masterminds together, worked conferences together. Uh, We know a lot about each other, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Just a fair amount, you know, maybe some things I'd rather not know. No, I'm joking. Uh, But yes, uh, work wife is an accurate description of our relationship for sure. Yeah. So whenever we were prepping for today's show, we were talking through all the different aspects that we know, what we've learned so far in our creative journeys, working at ConvertKit, um, on our side hustles. Something that kept coming up as we were prepping was the word mentorship and how important it was to be a mentor, have a mentor. Um, And then as we even dug a little bit deeper into that, we really wanted to talk about being teachable and being a student. Um, Because what would you say is kind of the difference between a traditional mentorship and just being teachable all the time, Haley? Such a good question. I... I thought about, I think about this a lot in context to like, you know, both my, my previous career, my career at ConvertKit, my time spanning the tech community. And I think at ConvertKit, it was actually one of the first times where I feel like I had a lot to learn and I had a lot to learn from people that were my junior. And that feels like the difference, the big difference to me is that mentorship seems to be something that you seek out because you're looking for, and it's usually with someone that might be older. And it's usually you're looking for something, obviously, from that person. It's either sometimes mentorships have like a beginning, middle and an end. And sometimes mentorships, you know, like Barrett has a mentor that he's been who's been his mentor for, gosh, like. 10 years. And, but being teachable is, is a little bit different because, you know, you have to have a level of kind of vulnerability in a way. And you also have to be able to recognize, oh gosh, I don't know that thing. And maybe this 24 year old is going to come in and teach it to me. I don't know. There's a big key difference. Alexis in in our relationship, Alexis has taught me a lot of, a lot of things. And it's been a really fun, our like relationship has been a really fun dichotomy of um, me being a little bit older than her and her being a bit younger than me. And then seeing kind of how we, uh, the things that we've, we've learned from one another. Yeah. And we forgot to do red, yellow, green. So I want to dig into that, but I don't, I'm looking at the notes here and I want to, I want to circle back to that, but how are you doing red, yellow, green? And for those of you joining us live, I'd love for you to write in the, the chat of how are you doing? Uh, go first, Haley. 
Well, first, let me start by saying thank you uh, to those in the chat who pointed out that we forgot to do red, yellow, green, because we can't forget that. I am probably green today. I'm feeling really good. I, um, I've been working on this really fun project at work called Creator Sessions, and we're releasing something really fun on Friday. And I just have all the warm feelings about what I'm working on. And when you're working on a project that both stretches you quite a bit um, and is also really fun and creative, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm feeling the high off of that. What about you? I love that. I can't wait for Friday creator sessions. The, the last two that we've done have already been so good. And I can't wait to see how this evolves. Um, I would say I'm, I'm feeling pretty green. It's Monday. I it's it's also the first Monday of a new month and it's the month that's in the middle of the quarter. You know, we we at Convert could do a lot of our goals um, quarterly. And so April was the first month and now it's the second month of the quarter. Um, and so I'm revisiting a lot of my quarterly goals and uh, making sure that I'm on track with all of those. So that's going to be this week is all the planning and processing to make sure that I hit all of my goals for the quarter. So to circle back to what you were saying before we inevitably forgot yet red, yellow, green, I would agree with you. I would say that traditionally um, when you hear, uh, especially in the creator community to find a mentor, you're usually thinking about someone that is older than you, someone that is more experienced, more successful in terms of influence. It could be uh, monetary. It could be a lot of different aspects of what successful means. Um, but what I like about the practice of always being teachable is that you are learning from people who might not be, you know, a seven-figure entrepreneur, but they still have something to teach you. And so you're putting yourself in this mindset of, I am always going to be a student, which is the, the topic of today is never stop being a student. Instead of, I always have to seek out the most successful person to learn from, because you can actually learn from, I mean, everyone has something to teach. And it could be someone 10 years younger than you or 50 years older than you. And just being open to the fact that everyone, that you can learn from little pieces of different people's stories um, instead of just someone that is like on this pillar of success. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned this because I was actually reading or listening to this interview with one of my favorite uh, musical artists. His name's his, his Bear Reinhardt, who's the lead singer for Need to Breathe, but he has a solo album that's called Wilder Woods. And the album covers are the Wilder and Woods is some format of his two boys' names. And he goes on in this interview to talk about how his children have actually been the ones that have taught him most about life, right? And I found that to be, as a, as a mom, I have three kids, um, but as a mom, I find that my eight-year-old, who I'm, I'm fairly certain is like more like 60 or 70, she's like wise beyond her years, um, but I find that she's teaching me things as an eight-year-old all the time about life and philosophy and, and beauty and things and the things that are most important and creativity. And so it's a very different, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm letting my, my, you know, my eight-year-old teach me things, or I'm letting, you know, my a peer like yourself, you know, teach me things. Um, I'm letting, you know, I think it's, it's very different, but it's really a unique, a unique thing. And there definitely has to be a level of vulnerability um, in certain types of relationships that are even, you know, mentorship relationships where the mentor actually learns from the mentee. There has to be a, a level of vulnerability in order for the mentor to accept teachings from the mentee, which oftentimes that's a huge benefit to a mentor-mentee relationship that is um, not talked about enough. 
right? It's not always one-sided. It's not always you're pouring into someone and you're not necessarily um, getting any teachable moments back. What would you say, um, well, we kind of outlined a few things that we think get in the way of being teachable. And this is actually a question that um, I'd love for you listening or you joining us live to journal through either right now during the episode or after the episode. But the question is, what gets in the way of us being teachable? So for me, a few words that come to mind are pride, ego, and insecurity. Um, And sometimes time. Like I use the excuse of, oh, I don't have time to reach out to learn something or I don't have time to read a book about something I don't understand. Um, so I, I, those are the, the few of the categories for me that I sometimes um, allow, my, allow to get in the way of me actually learning something. What about you? I feel like I'd be remiss if I brought up the fact that sometimes my insecurity about being a woman in the workplace leads to me not being teachable. And I think that Cheryl Sandberg talks about this, you know, she's the COO of Facebook uh, in her book, Lean In quite a bit, but how as a woman, especially in the tech space, you, you know, you show up and, and sometimes you feel like you don't deserve a seat at the table. And oftentimes if I feel that way in certain moments, I can tend to overcompensate. And rather than being vulnerable enough to say that I don't know how to do something. I might act like I know how to do something. Um, so it's, it's honestly, it's not something it's, it's something that I want to say, it's really hard for me to admit. Um, and it's an uncomfortable place to talk. It's an uncomfortable thing for me to talk about. Cause then again, I, it's this vicious cycle where all of a sudden I'm admitting that I don't know something right. Or I feel like I should know it and I don't know it. Um, and that's, that definitely comes out of a place of, of fear. And I think that, um, unfortunately that happens to women more often than it happens to men. I would agree with that. I've had similar experiences, um, even with age of like about the deserving a seat at the table. And you and I have talked about this and Haley actually has called me out in situations privately where I have tried to overcompensate for my age. Um, like in certain business situations, we're at the place in our friendship and working relationship that sometimes after a conversation, a sales conversation or a dinner with potential clients or current clients, we'll ask each other for feedback on how the other person handled certain situations. And I've found that to be so helpful because I've lowered my guard, I trust you. I might get defensive internally, but externally I'm like, okay, I know that this is important for me to learn. And it's it's like taking down those walls of that pride ego uh, can allow you to get really defensive of like, oh, I I already know this. I don't need to learn that. Um, or I it's almost this like I already know everything, which is, you know, we we never know everything. Um, but there's that like piece of defensiveness that can come up too when you are presented with a, a potential learning opportunity from feedback or whatever. And you internally are like, Ooh, that's a little bit too close to home. So I've always found, and I'm, I'm really exploring this, this with creator sessions right now, Barrett, for those of you guys who don't know Barrett super personally, he's a pusher and not like a drug pusher, like, you know, like mean girls, uh, gosh, what's that teacher name, you know, but he's, he's a pusher. He always pushes you to be a better version of, of yourself. And one of the things that he, he told me when I was exploring or we're kind of navigating through this, this whole thing with creator sessions and where we want it to go eventually 
as you said, like really, really lean in to really lean into this creative, like intuition that you're feeling about it. And, and something that I've tried really hard to take in practice uh, with this thing is to take advice from a lot of people and be really open to what people's, what people are feeling about it, but to take what I want and throw out all the rest of, of, of what I didn't feel they're, they're what they're sharing might be totally valuable, but I'm creating this thing. Right. And so by taking feedback from people and by opening yourself up for that feedback, especially in a creative fashion, you have the freedom to do that, right? You have the freedom to take what you want, implement what you want, and then kind of say, you know, I think I might disagree with the rest, but the very first step is actually opening yourself up for that, right? This creative, that's very different than let's say something that's very tactical, like a golf swing, right? It's like, if you have a golf coach and they're telling you to do something, it's like, you should probably do that thing because it's going to make your ball go straight, or it's going to make your, if you don't, it's going to make your ball go off to the right or the left. And I, I think that is, is something that's really important to keep in mind is that just because you're inviting someone to critique your art or critique some, whatever it is that you're doing, doesn't mean that you have to apply all of that or that, you know, it just means that you iterate on something and you, you learn something that, yeah. I love that. One of my mentors uh, used to say, take it all in and sort it out later. Mm. And whenever you're feeling like you're drinking out of a fire hydrant, whether you're an early creator, whether you're more a more experienced creator and you're getting a lot of feedback from your audience or your community, sometimes you're going to implement what your audience wants and sometimes you're not because it's it's too far off your, your path. Um, and so I think it comes back to like focusing on what feels in alignment with your goals and where you're headed. And if someone's giving you feedback that doesn't really feel in alignment, you can say, thank you, I appreciate that. And then you can store it somewhere for later, or you can decide to just kind of archive it and be like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna implement this. But it's just that humbling of being open to feedback and to being teachable. And it, again, it, you've said it a couple of times, Haley, that it's, it's a more vulnerable uh, experience, especially when as a creator, our businesses are our children, you know, like we carry them so close to us and we are emotional about them and we care deeply and it's very meaningful to us. And so when we lower the guard and be open to feedback, it can be, um, it can be really scary. It can feel like in, you're in uncharted territory. So um, how would you say people can like posture themselves to receive feedback um, or um, opportunities to learn? I think the most important thing is just asking for it. I've had a great guy. I actually was talking with uh, Henry who works on um, our I Am A Creator series. He's an incredible filmmaker. I, I just said, hey, if you have any additional feedback for me, just sling it at me. Like, don't hold back, right? And I think that's the very first step from a feedback perspective or a feedback loop is just saying, hey, I want feedback. And oftentimes, you know, there might be moments where you don't want feedback. You know, sometimes... Um, actually in, in, in our upcoming creator session, one of the artists during an interview, he said that oftentimes when you share art or you share something with someone that it, they assume that you're inviting feedback and sometimes you're not, 
but other times you are. So I think that um, if you're going to share your art or you're going to share, you know, you're looking for feedback, the very first thing that you should do is just be like, you walk out of a business meeting or you walk out of a critique or you're asking someone to look at your side hustle, you know, your art, your whatever it is. And you're saying like, Hey, what, what's your feeling on this? Or how do you think I handled that conversation? Or what could I have done differently? Or what could I have done better? Um, in the business setting, you know, we have a lot of teammates that, that ask for that all the time in day-to-day conversations. Hey, I'm putting this, you know, uh, redesign out on the homepage. I'm looking for your feedback. Um, so I think that's the most important thing is just saying, please <laughs> share. Yeah. And that's, that is also one of the benefits of being in a culture at ConvertKit where we often do red, yellow, green. And I think even in one-on-one conversations, checking in with someone before you give them feedback. Um, Like if it's unsolicited, let's say you have some feedback on um, an email I sent to affiliates and you, you might, I didn't ask, you read it, which is awesome, but you wanted to give me some feedback on it. Um, A great way to go about that is to, hey, are you in a, are you in a good headspace right now to receive some feedback about the affiliate newsletter? Um, I can say, yeah, absolutely. Like throw it at me. Or I can say, actually, today's been um, a difficult day. I'm not really in the headspace. Can we throw 15 minutes on the calendar tomorrow morning and talk about it over coffee instead of right now? And so I think that's another good way for the person that's giving the feedback for the teachable moment to check in and make sure that you're not just unloading your thoughts and opinions on someone without checking in with where they are, especially if it's kind of that unsolicited experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm not sure actually if Nathan and Barrett have talked about the format of, the, of unsolicited feedback on the podcast just yet. But uh, for those of you guys who don't know what that is, we do this real cool practice at ConvertKit where basically you pretend, in fact, we just did it last week with with all the directors where we got on a call and the directors essentially went on mute, you know, videos black, and then the team essentially talked talked about them as if they weren't there. Um, but it creates this really uh, cool environment um, for you to receive feedback that you might not otherwise know to ask for. So she's ref- Alexis is referencing unsolicited feedback as though I'm just coming to her, but there's lots of ways to, to get um, feedback on your work, you know, in, in more formal type settings like that as well. Yeah. And some more um, like tactical versions. Well, first, Whenever she said we'd talk about them as if they're not there, everything we say is with love and kindness and with growth in mind. And so we start a lot of our sentences with like, I wish, you know, one thing I wish for Haley is X, Y, Z or something I've noticed and a great area of growth that I've seen her improve on over the last six months is X, Y, Z. And so using that kind of language builds bridges instead of burning them down. Like it's an opportunity for us to grow and uh, celebrate and also give some critical feedback at the same time, uh, which I love. We do it not just with our directors, but in our individual teams as well. And that's one of the one of the ways I would contribute the majority of my growth as an adult is to working at ConvertKit and being in an environment where my team cares a lot about me and they're always like, hey, they're either lifting me up, which is awesome, or um, in certain scenarios, they're teaching me a lot and saying, hey, here's an area I think that you could grow in. Um, and that translates to not just business, as we know. Things I can grow in at work are things that very well translate to life as well, you know? Okay, moving on to some more tactical stuff for asking for feedback. Uh, what are some ways that creators can ask for feedback or whether it's maybe it's not asking for feedback, but just building habits of learning? 
So whether that be on one-to-one opportunities for feedback or just, you know, they want to posture themselves and build habits around learning. That's a really good question. I haven't fully thought through that. Do you have an answer for it already? In terms of one-to-one feedback, um, something I've loved is using polls on Instagram. And so it's a way that I can include my, I have a podcast as my side hustle called Deeper Life and talk a lot about vulnerability and self-connection and connecting with other people. And as I was launching the podcast and even now, I'm always putting out polls and questions for my audience on, do you like this or this? Uh, Would you rather have an online course where you experience it this way or this way? And so I have given them two different options that I'm already mulling over and then they're voting. And it's crazy to see how interactive my polls get. And then people are DMing me with additional thoughts. And it's just a great way to, to facilitate feedback in a way that you're already kind of prompting them with your two options. Love that. Same with email. Um, you can do the same with um, like a link tag survey of what do you want to see more from me? And then use um, whether you're using ConvertKit or something else. Um, do you want to see X, Y, or Z? And then when they click on an individual link, you can tag that on the back end and keep track of what they're interested in or what they want to see more of. So I think those are two um, tactical ways. And then I even know some of our creators that send out about five emails a month to new email subscribers and they get on 15 minute discovery calls with them. So it's like I would go back through my new subscribers for the month and then I would randomly pick five people, send them an email and say, hey, I would love to learn a little bit more about you and your journey and how you found me and what you're hoping to learn. And you cap it at 15 minutes. You don't want to end up on a call with someone that you don't know for an hour um, because, you you know, boundaries of time. Um, But those are really great ways that you can always be seeking that feedback from your community. Um, And then in terms of like building habits, I would say journaling for me is a way that I'm always learning about myself and processing information. Mm -hmm. And then reading would be the other one of reading books about things I'm interested in or things that I want to apply to my life or business. Um, Yeah, those are the two things I do to kind of continue my my continuing education. I I like that you had uh, four things lined up really fast. So you had really thought about that question, but I'll take that, that question a little bit more. You took it kind of one to many, uh, and then one to one. So towards the end, you're like, these are things that you personally do. One thing that I would, um, kind of provide some advice on is if you are the type of person that you takes a little bit of time to break down the wall, um, to find the right person, like, you know, to get comfortable with someone to where you're good at accepting feedback, or you have the right relationship to where you can accept feedback. I I have heard a lot of people, um, kind of do like men, essentially mentorship, like almost like interviews, right? Like, Hey, I'm looking for a mentor and I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you to see if like, if you know, some things you could teach me some things and then having like 30 minute coffee type dates with someone that you're seeking or that you're trying to build a relationship with is a really good way to figure out if you're going to vibe with someone. Um, and just the, mm-hmm. the point of it is more about just being intentional saying like, I'm seeking a mentor and I look up to you. I like your art, your, you know, whatever it is that they're creating, or I know that I have something to learn from you. Um, but how would we work on a one-on-one, um, type, uh, basis? And I think doing like mentorship, you know, mentor mentee interviews, I actually think is a really practical thing to do. Um, if you're Mm -hmm. looking for someone that you feel comfortable getting feedback from. I love that. Um, I will say that let's say, let's flip the script a little bit and get a little bit deeper with that one. Um, if you are seeking out someone 
that is highly sought after, let's say, like Gary Vee or like Jenna Kutcher, Amy Porterfield, like people that are really very well-known, influential in this space, and you are still trying to learn from them, or maybe you're asking them to be your mentor. How would you do that? How would you, because you're really good at building relationships and you know business development. Do you offer to work for them for free for a couple of months as like an intern? Um, how do you learn from people that are far beyond you? Or do you recommend instead of like maybe you're at step one and Gary Vee's at step 100, do you recommend maybe starting out with your first mentor experience, maybe finding someone that's on step 10, like someone that might be a little bit more attainable? Yeah. I I don't know if it would be practical like to say, I mean, you could always ask, you know, but I don't know if practical advice would be like, Hey, yeah, you know, blow up Gary Vee's email address, you know, send him an email a week for a year. You know, I, I highly, highly doubt that's going to work. But practically, I, I would try to find someone locally in your community that you are looking for as a relationship, because then you can, you know, post COVID world, um, you can build that like personal relationship and, and people feel things so much differently when you're in person. Totally. Um, and I, I don't think that... I think that where there's like that real connection, like if you take you and you and me for an example, right? Like I'm not a level hundred and you're not a level one, right? Which is why you and I work really well together is because we're on similar trajectories and in age wise, we'll, we'll ignore, uh, ignore career path, you know, but in, in age wise, I've been married for 10 years and you've been married for six months. Right. But that's not this, this huge gap. Right. Um, so I would, I think I would look for someone that was a little bit like their career was attainable to you at that moment type thing or their um, where they were, they had, they had really practical steps. Cause someone, if you might look at Gary Vee, he might say, I, I don't honestly don't remember what it took for me to get to step, you know, zero to 10, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in that 90 to hundred phase right now. Uh, so I right. I'd probably look for someone that was a little bit more, um, their career was more, a little bit more attainable to you based off of where you were in that moment. That is, that's really good advice. I like that. Um, that way, a lot of people uh, that are at that influential level in their careers, they do have a lot of free, you know, trainings and things like that out there too that you could learn from. But that one-to-one like mentorship relationship, I like that idea. In terms of like closing the feedback loop, that's something that we talk a lot about at ConvertKit. You okay? You ask for the information, you put something out, you got information back in the form of feedback. Then what do you do with it? Um, I mean, I think I, I kind of feel like we talked about this already where it's like you take what you want and you throw away the rest. Right. So it's like I think there's a variety of ways that you can actually implement feedback. But um, sitting down like kind of what you said is is detailing out and writing it. But most most importantly, it's like putting it in practice. I find that as a student of things, there's a lot of things that I want to learn. But if I if I am not really intentional, and this is just my learning style personally, but yeah. if I'm not really intentional about implementing those things into my daily practice, then I forget them. You know, for me, it's like I, I for example, I was a, I was a volleyball player, right? And you can take this like 10,000 hours kind of concept and, and near this, but I played and coached volleyball and it's completely second nature to me because the feedback loop was always continuous. Like I'd practice something, I'd implement something, I'd go to practice the next day, I'd try it again, try it again, try it again. 
to where it became completely second nature. Right. And too oftentimes I find that, that people of something or students of something, they want to learn something and they learn it and they might implement it for a short period of time. And then they just kind of throw it out the door where that, that thing that you're trying to learn is never really going to take the full effect. If you don't continue to practice it or continue to implement it in whatever it is that you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like intentionality in, in making it a part of like your daily habits. Um, James Clear talks quite a bit about that, um, you know, getting 1% better. And I really feel like it's, it's the exact same concept. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Um, I never, I, I never really put it in that context of that feedback and what you want to change about your life and then turning that change into actionable daily habits. That actually makes a lot of sense. James's book, um, Atomic Habits is such a good read. I actually put it on my list to reread it this month because I feel like it's been a year and a half. I need to read it again, (laughs) Um, especially during quarantine. I feel like a lot of my habits have taken a hit, to be honest with you, Uh, even though ironically, I I feel like it should be easier to do habits, but it's been it's been harder to to stay on track. Um, Okay, I think we should transition to the end of the show. It's been about 30 minutes. Thank you for all of y'all that have been watching live. Um, So we transition into creator of the day. Do you have a creator of the day that you want to highlight? I do. I do. Hold on. Let me grab this. So I talked last week. um, I'm just going to stick on the same theme. I'm going to, you know, this is all, all types of creators are are open here. And I uh, shared that I was obsessed with ceramicists. Uh, and since mother's day is around the corner, this is what I asked my husband for. So we'll see if he comes through you guys. So, um, there's a local ceramicist, uh, her name is Lala and her brand is Lala Fresh Pots. And you see how beautiful this thing is. Um, but she's an that amazing, is beautiful ceramicist and, um, she creates these obviously like, you know, they're hand thrown. And I just, I love something about feeling, feeling things like tactile things that have been made in my hand. I know it's a little bit different than, you know, digital products here, but gotta love myself some like hand-thrown clay, you know? I love that. Um, fun fact about Haley. I'm going to go on like a little bit of a tangent, just, but just like keep with me here. Haley has single-handedly helped me like buy better quality products and seek out artisans and small business owners and stop buying fast fashion. She helped me find like a better pair of jeans and denim company to wear. Like if Haley had a blog about sustainability, um, I would definitely follow it. But thank you for that. And uh, she's also the reason that I have more pottery in my home than I ever have before. So you never know how you can influence someone. Hey, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. So my creator of the day, her name is Tezza. I'm going to drop her Instagram handle in the uh, live YouTube chat. But if you go to Instagram and type in T-E-Z-Z-A, Tezza. Uh, she's one of my favorite creators. She's a, um, she is an artist. She's a singer. She is a photographer. She's a fashion blogger. She also created this um, really cool collage kit company where these are all of her photos that are hanging behind me right now. And she sells uh, cardstock 150 packs of all the different photos that she's taken. And it's a really cool way, especially if you rent and don't own a place yet, uh, to decorate your office and decorate your home. So um, she's my favorite creator in the world. So big fan of her. Okay, what's your resource of the day? Ooh, okay, this is great because you and I actually found out about this resource together at a conference at Upreneur in London, which is hosted by Chris Ducker. 
Um, I am obsessed with the Otter app. So if you guys do not, um, you, re- you heard me reference that I have uh, three kids. Well, I also have an eight-month-old baby. And with that comes uh, something called mom brain. And that basically means that you forget everything. So this app will actually dictate speaker one, speaker two, and take and translate all of your notes. And it has been the most valuable resource for me uh, after coming back to work from maternity leave because you can dictate conversations. You know, you can just take notes on things that you're brainstorming. Um, it is incredibly valuable. You can search specific keywords. Otter, I'm obsessed with it. You definitely need to use it. And how do you spell it? It's O T T E R. Otter. Super easy. So easy. So my. Uh, resource of the day is, and and if you're a podcaster, you might already know of this tool, but for me, um, I love using Zencaster. So I'm going to drop that in the the live. Um, and if you are um, listening to us not live, it's just Zencast plus the letter R. Um, and this is how I record all of my podcast audio. And the one thing that I love the most is that after you're done recording, it has an auto post production where it'll take your two audio tracks and put them together, clean them up, uh, buff out all the background noise and make sure all your audio levels are the same by the click of one button. And that's just for me, like I'm a side hustler, like podcasting, that auto uh, post-production is like the best. So uh, definitely highly recommend Zencaster. And no, I am not affiliated in any way. Uh, and that is not my affiliate link in the live the live YouTube chat. So if you use it, uh, I hope you hope you enjoy it. Uh, any any lasting thoughts for the day, Haley? I don't think so. I just am so happy that we were able to do this today. I love you. I love uh, I loved that we got to impersonate Nathan and Barrett today. Uh, I don't remember who it was who said it said it in the chat. They said it's like parents are out, you know. So it's like we could be a little bit naughty in a way. Yeah. I don't know if we were naughty, but it was it was really fun to play Nathan and Barrett for the day. Yeah. Thank you for everyone that showed up live. And I love this conversation. Go out, learn, um, and always be a student. Um, And we'll see you guys tomorrow at 2 p.m. Central. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.